and I'm going to let you just be seated just for a moment. We're going to continue to worship. We've got a lot of things going on tonight. I'm just going to share a, a brief word for you, and I'm going to let you rest your legs because we're going to worship and play several more songs and, and just lift up the Lord in this place. But we want to say we're so thankful that, that, that you came out to be with us tonight uh, to worship the Lord. You know, we've we, we got several people that we're going to baptize tonight. And how many, raise your hand if you're getting baptized tonight. Amen. We got several throughout the place. Amen. And these are, these are all good friends of mine. I think one, I think one of them said that, you know, it's a, it's a new year and she's going to be a new person. And I like that. And I, I, I believe that. I believe the Lord makes things new. I believe he makes all things new. And I believe that's what he's doing. I want to share just a, a few little, uh, a few little words with you just before we continue and I was reading uh, in Philippians earlier, and Paul is, he's writing this letter to the Philippians, and he's talking about all the things that have happened in his life previously. And Paul has, he's, he's a very interesting guy. He wrote a good majority of the New Testament, and when he started uh, in his Christian ministry, he was the farthest thing from a Christian. Matter of fact, he persecuted Christians and had them put to death. And he talked about his lineage. He talked about all of the things in his life that he was proud of, all of his accomplishments. And he basically looked back on everything after he got into this relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said, look, everything that I've done up to this point, everything in my past, everything that's been good about me, everything that's been bad about me, he said, every single thing, he said, I count it as rubbish. It's all dung, he says. It's garbage in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ. And you know, when we start thinking about, we talk about at the new year, we want to get a new vision. We want to think about a lot of new things. But the greatest vision any person can have in their life is knowing Jesus Christ. There is no greater vision for your life. And you know what? God gives us specific things as individuals that He wants for us in our lives. And He's all called us to different things. We all have different giftings. We all have different abilities. And we want to see those things and we want to know, God, what are you calling us to? But more than anything, God is saying, I want you to know me like you've never known me before. I want to reveal myself to you. And that's, that's what Paul said. And here's what he says in some verses after he gets in that. Here's what he says. He says, I admit that I've not yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. I think you could agree with that. I've not yet, I've not yet acquired what I'm pursuing in Jesus Christ, but I run with passion into His abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. He goes on to say, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do, one compel I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. And he says this, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's hard sometimes. And, and even if I look back on this past year in my life, I don't know about what's went on with you. I would say everybody has said, you know what? Some really messed up stuff has happened this past year. And, and others would say, but at the same time, I've had some good things happen. There's been some bad. There's been some good. But, and, and I've had a little bit of, the, of, of both myself. But here's one thing that I know, just like what Paul is saying, and one thing that I understand when it comes to spiritual warfare is that Satan loves to keep us trapped in our past. He loves to take our experiences from what we've experienced up to this point and say, well, see, this is all that's happened up to this point. You can't expect anything more than that. 
But do you know that the scripture says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what you can even ask or think in your mind according to the power that works within you? You know that it says that the plans that he has for you, it says that the things he has prepared for you, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's not even yet entered into your heart the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And most people think, see, man, that's great. We'll get to see that when we get to heaven. But the very next verse says, but the spirit has revealed these things to us. And what I'm saying is when we come together in a moment like this and we begin to worship the Lord and we fix our gaze on Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to speak with us. And he begins to say some things. He begins to whisper some things into our heart. And he says, you know those things that you've not yet heard of in your ears? You've not yet seen with your eyes? And you've not even imagined in your heart? He said, I want to begin to reveal some of those things to you. I want to give you a glimpse of what your future looks like when you step into the calling that I've called you into. And Paul says that. He says, look, there's a lot of things in my past that want to hold on to me and want to keep me bound to what's happened to me up to this point. And listen, he could have thrown in the towel because as far as he was concerned, he persecuted Christians, and now he was called to be one of the greatest Christians to ever walk the face of the earth. It was difficult for him. It was a challenging thing, but he had to come to this place where he said, look, here's one thing I do. I've got one compelling focus. And that compelling focus is this. I'm going to take my past and all of the things that I've got with it. He said, you know what? I respect my past. I appreciate my past. I learned things in my past. But at this point, I have to make a decision. I've got a future ahead of me, and Jesus has got to be my end goal. And that's what he's saying. He said, I'm running with passion after this end goal. And that is to know Jesus Christ and to become a vessel, to become an instrument of his salvation. Because when Jesus saves your soul and when he brings you out of darkness and he brings you out of addiction and bondage, he doesn't just save you so that you can say, I'm saved now, but he makes you an instrument of his salvation. That through you would flow the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead so that others could come to know Jesus just as you have known Jesus. One man said that, that a person who is focused on the past becomes a monument instead of a movement. And God is calling us to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And I'm telling you, there's so many distractions that come our way, so many disappointments, so many different things, and we lose our vision. We lose our vision of what God's called us to. There's a crazy little story in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 30. I read it the other day and I thought, Lord, what in the world does this even mean? But in, in Genesis chapter 30, Jacob, he's been working for his father-in-law for 14 years. And his father-in-law is, is, he's basically, he's just deceptive. He's not a very good guy. He's pretty crooked. He works seven years for Laban, Jacob does, and he's working because he wants to marry Rachel, his daughter. He works the first seven years, and Laban deceives him and gives him Leah instead of Rachel. Well, that's not a bad, that's a bad marriage night, in case you didn't know. You end up marrying the wrong woman. So he works another seven years to get Rachel. And at the end of these 14 years, he's ready to go. But Laban says, no, I can't let Jacob go because he's making me too much money. He's too blessed. I got to figure out a way to keep him. But Jacob says, look, here, here's the deal. I'll work for you for a little bit longer, but I'm leaving. He says, but I want you to give me all of the spotted and speckled sheep. And Laban's like, well, that's fine because I don't got that many spotted and speckled sheep. And so... This is where the story gets weird. He takes these spotted, he, he takes all of Laban's sheep and, and he, he takes a bunch of tree branches. It's one of the strangest stories I've ever heard. He takes a bunch of tree branches and he takes a knife and he carves out spots and speckles in these tree branches 
and he places those tree branches into the water where they're drinking. And every time they come to drink, they're looking at these branches with spots and speckles on them. And the scripture says that they would begin to mate there and they would have other sheep and have children and they would give birth to, the, to spotted and speckled sheep because that's what, what they were looking at when they were drinking. And you say, well, that sounds crazy, Clay. What in the world are you talking about? And, and I believe personally that it's a parable about the sheep of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you are my sheep, right? The sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. We hear the voice of the Lord. And what the Holy Spirit does is he invites us to a place where we come and drink. And tonight what you're doing is you're coming and you're drinking. But he's saying, what are you beholding while you're drinking in my presence? Because what you behold, what you look at is what you're going to reproduce in your life. And for some of you, Satan has been putting things in your mind for years about your future that says you're not going to amount to nothing. You've only produced uh, disappointment and destruction up to this point. It's only going to be disappointment and destruction in the future. And he's planted those seeds in your mind. And God is saying, I need you to tear those things down. And I need you to get a vision from heaven for your life. You need a vision from heaven for your life and it comes when you come to the throne of God and you begin to drink from the water that Jesus provides. And see, he's saying when you begin to look at these things, what you put in front of you, what you behold is ultimately what you're going to produce, what you're going to see. And God wants you to have a vision. See, when we, when we talk about the last days, people usually want to say, well, you know, in the last days, it's going to be dark, it's going to be gloomy, there's going to be sin, everything's going to be awful. And there is a truth to that fact. That's, that's true. There's going to be some hard times in the last days before Jesus comes back. But you know that the scripture always also says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That means that they'll have the heart of God and they'll be able to speak what they know God is trying to say in the midst of this hour. They'll be able to know God's heart and they'll be able to speak it into people's lives. He said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And then I like what it goes on to say. It says, your old men will dream dreams. Because what happens sometimes when you get a little bit older is you think, well, my life has passed. My chance has passed. But with God, nothing has passed. No matter how old you are in this place, God has a vision and a future for you. And he says, when the Spirit of God... When the Spirit of God begins to move in your heart once again, all of a sudden, old men begin to dream dreams once again. They start to dream about things that they, they, they dreamt about when they were a teenager, when they were 20 years old. And all of a sudden these dreams are coming back. And God is saying, because I've not reneged on my promise for your life. I've not, I'm not, I'm not stopped there. There's still a dream. But guess what? The Spirit, He comes, He pours out. And it, what, what else it says? It says the, the young men will have visions. They'll begin to see. They'll begin to see what the Lord wants in their life. You know, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision... People are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no vision, now some translations will say where there is no revelation, where there is no prophetic revelation, where there is no clear word from God. When I've not heard from God and I don't have a vision for my life, you know what I do? I'm unrestrained. I just do whatever feels good in the moment. I try to avoid pain and I try to seek pleasure in the moment because I don't have a vision for my life. But if all of a sudden I begin to seek the face of God and he says, you're going to find me and I'm going to give you a vision for your life and I'm going to start to piece by piece lay out some things. Now maybe you won't get the entire vision, but he wants to begin to show you something for your life. And when you see that and you see that vision of Jesus, the end goal of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, you know what? You are able to lay things aside that you never were able to lay aside before. You don't live an unrestrained life. 
But you begin to keep the law, so to speak. You begin to do what you need to do. And you're willing to go through difficulties. You're willing to go through challenges. You're willing to have the courage to face all sorts of things. And even when it gets difficult, you say, no, I can't give up now because I'm headed in that direction. You know, we enter into prayer, prayer and fasting sometimes at the beginning of the year. And let me tell you something. If I did not have a vision for what prayer and fasting would do at the end, I would never pray and fast. Amen. I have to get a vision believing that what I'm doing is going to result in something in the end. And my point being is some of you are living unrestrained lives because you've not gotten to the place where you said, Lord, I need a vision for my life. And sometimes I come to that place, and, and I, I remember, you know, when I first became a minister, the, the vision of Clay, I just see you up on a stage in front of thousands of people. And then, you know what? That's really a superficial vision because that's not the end goal. I get along with God, and He says, Clay, the end goal for your life is not to be on a stage in front of thousands of people. The end goal for your life is to look, act, see, believe, and think like me. The end goal for your life, whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to His image. He wants them to look like Jesus. That is the end goal for your life is to be like Jesus. And Jesus says, Clay, you are never more like me than you are willing than when you are willing to lay down your life for others so that they could know me the same way that you know me. And that's, that's the goal for our lives. That's what he wants to bring us into. And so I would ask you right now, what is, what's the vision for your life? You're entering into a new year. We love to start different things. What I'm telling you is that God is inviting you right now at this season in your life. And he's saying, look, I know that I know that you know me, but you don't know me like I want you to know me. And I'm asking you to put whatever has happened up to this point in your past behind you and to press toward the mark of this high calling that God has called you to. Because it's more than you've ever imagined. And if you will allow him to, now let me be honest with you. If I'm alone sometimes, I don't feel very good about myself. I don't feel very good about the way things are going in life. Because naturally, when we're left to our natural mind, we get pretty discouraged. Anybody amen me? But when we get alone with God, when we worship God together in this place, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit begins to move. And all of a sudden, the hope arises. Faith arises. And we just catch a glimpse. And even for a moment, all of a sudden, we see ourselves with all loose from all of our addictions, all of our chains, all of our hang-ups, all of our fears, all of our worries. And we catch a glimpse of that is what I could be in Christ. And when you catch that glimpse, if you can hang on to it. See, there was a prophet named Habakkuk. I'm going way further. I was trying to close it down quick, but you know how you are. You, you just get going. I'm, I'm going to be in about three more hours. I'll be done. Habakkuk says... You know what he said? He said, here's what I was going to do. I was going to watch and I, I was going to wait on the Lord. I was watching and I was waiting to see what the Lord would say to me. And when the Lord replied, he said, Habakkuk, he said, write the vision and make it plain so that he who reads it can run with it. What I'm telling you is that God is calling you to a place where you wait on the Lord, where you worship him. And as we worship, as we pray, as we seek the face of God, he's going to begin to give you a glimpse. He's going to begin to give you a vision, a fresh vision of Jesus, a fresh vision of your future. And he's saying, I want you to write it down. I want you to learn how to articulate it. I want you, maybe you don't know all the particulars and exactly what it looks like, but he says, I want you to put it down, what I'm going to do in your life when I speak it into your life. Get it from my word. Get it from my presence. Get it from prayer. Write it down. He said, have a vision. Otherwise, you're going to live an unrestrained life. You're just going to wander aimlessly. He says, you need to have a goal. You need to have an aim, and that aim is Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet with me. I think 
You know, as I'm thinking about these things, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a verse in the book of Joel. That's where it says that he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh in the last days. There's also another verse where it says that he will restore to you the years that the canker worm has eaten. And who knows what a canker worm is? I don't. But the point being is he's saying because of their rebellion, the enemy had sort of swept in. This, 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 pla- this plague, plague had thing God wanted to have in their lives, the fruit that God wanted to have in their lives. And God is saying, everything that was stolen because of your rebellion and everything that was stolen because of what you've done wrong, God says, I love you so much. And yes, sometimes you do have to pay consequences for your actions. That's a part of life. But at the same time, he says, I'm a God of redemption and I'm able to restore to you the years that the enemy has stolen from you. And I believe that's what God wants to do in some people's lives. And, and, and I, want, I, want you to, I want you to ask the Lord tonight. I want you to say, Lord, I need a fresh vision. I need a fresh vision of you, Jesus. I want to see it. I want to catch a vision of what it looks like when I'm free from this sin that's been binding me. I want to catch a vision of what it looks like when I'm no longer chained by the fear. I want to catch a vision of what it looks like when I'm not afraid to step out into my calling and fulfill my destiny that you've called me to. Would you give me that vision, Lord? Would you help me to stay focused on that vision? I'm telling you, you're going to, you're going to be able to overcome a lot of difficult circumstances when you have that. So what is that vision for your life?